0: In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. This last week, I was given the privilege of serving as the preordination retreat leader for a a group of uh, four people who were about to be ordained as transitional deacons. For those of you who might be a little unclear about the way that ordination and holy orders work in the Episcopal Church, deacons are an order of ministry particularly called to exhibit Jesus' servant ministry. Deacons are called to represent Christ and the Church as a servant to those in need. They are to be a bridge between the Church and the needs of the world, they are to bring the church to those places of pain and suffering out there and are to call the church to minister in those places of hurt. And there are two types of deacons. There are, there are deacons whose whole ordained ministry is dedicated to this service. These are vocational deacons. That is who, deacons whose whole vocation is dedicated to this ministry. And then there are so-called transitional deacons. For you see, the Episcopal Church holds to an ancient tradition where anyone uh, who is ordained a priest is first ordained a deacon. Every priest in the Episcopal Church was first ordained a deacon and served as a deacon for at least six months before they were ordained a priest. And the four folks that I was with this last week will all, God willing, eventually be ordained priests, but this retreat was for their ordination as deacons. Well, if you thought that that explanation was long (laughs) and overblown, then just imagine what sort of process these four folks must have gone through. The ordination process is long and arduous. It involves discernment and committees. And of course, discernment committees. There is schooling, testing, processing, introspection, background checks, you name it. It takes years even before you start seminary, which also takes years. And I've got to say, it was remarkable for me to spend time with people who are on the cusp of reaching such a major milestone on their way to becoming priests. These four guys, and they did happen to all be guys, which thankfully is unusual in the Episcopal Church these days, but these four guys each had said yes to God. Yes, to God's promptings and lead. Yes, to God's movements and grace. Yes, to God's call. And it was a gift to get to spend time with them, for they, I found them thoughtful and passionate and dedicated. They were inspiring in their simplicity and in their hope for the future Of their ministries, their trust, their reliance, their faith. It was all a powerful witness, for indeed, their faith had made them well. I bring up these folks because their lives, their saying yes to God, point, I think, to our scripture lessons this morning. For indeed, this morning's lessons are all about faith. We have the faith that is meant to take the form of relying on God, the form of steadfast love in the lesson from Hosea. We have the faith of Sarah and Abraham that takes the form of an outlandish and ridiculous hope. Sarah and Abraham are way past the time of their lives where they should have been able to have had a child, and yet they trust in God's promise, and they believe in that hope. And even when there is absolutely no reason for them to believe, as Paul says in his letter to the Romans, their faith takes the form of hope against hope. For what they hoped for is they, they hoped that in the God who gives life to the dead and calls existence to the things that do not exist, that God would fulfill God's promise, that God would be faithful as they had been faithful. And then we have these three stories of faith in our gospel lesson this morning. There is the faith of Matthew, the tax collector, the faith of the synagogue leader whose daughter has died, and the faith of the woman with the hemorrhages. Each, in their own way, exhibits a faith that opens their lives to God's transforming power. Their faith enables them to be open to the God who brings life to the dead. Imagine the faith that it took Matthew to say yes to Jesus and Jesus' call there Matthew is, sitting at his tax booth, doing his very disreputable job, when along comes Jesus. And we're not told why Jesus stopped. We're not told why Jesus said to Matthew, follow me. Does Jesus see something in Matthew? Does does Matthew fit some sort of criteria that Jesus is looking for? we don't know. Who knows? All we know is that Jesus walks up to Matthew and says, follow me. And miracle upon miracles, Matthew does. Matthew says yes to Jesus, and it becomes this moment of transformation in his life. Matthew dies to his old life, leaving it behind, and he finds new life in his journey following Christ and this saying yes it opens up the doors for other the door for others as well for Jesus gathers with other tax collectors and sinners and in so doing points to God's welcome of all people All who stand in need are welcome to dine with Jesus and join Jesus at this banquet. Matthew's faith already here reveals the breadth and depth of God's love and mercy. Or take the woman with the hemorrhages. Her faith takes the form of courage and audacity and hope. Hers is a faith manifested in a very concrete way, in the concrete and yet simple act of daring to touch the fringe of Jesus' cloak. She risks reaching out to touch Jesus and touching him in the hope that this touch will transform her life. And indeed, It is that faith revealed as courage and audacity and in this simple act of touching that makes her well. This healing, it's not a transaction. She does not pay in faith to get healed. Rather, her openness and her courage made the transformation of her life possible. Nothing ventured Nothing gained, they say. Well, in her case, this venture of hers of reaching out in courage and hope made a new life possible. Or take the leader of the synagogue. He comes to Jesus knowing already that his daughter has died. And yet his faith takes the form of a wild and outrageous and frankly unrealistic hope. He dares to ask for the impossible, and lo and behold, the impossible happens. The synagogue leader's daughter, though once dead, now lives. What is faith? Is faith belief, trust, hope, courage? Is it saying yes? Is faith a a concrete act? Is faith audacity? The answer is yes. Yes, it's all of these and more. Faith is the means by which we open ourselves up to God and let God work wonders in our life, small and large. Faith is the way that we come to participate with God's healing of the world. Faith is the experience of the God who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist. Faith does not offer guarantees. Faith does not bind the hands of God. Faith is not magic. It is not a means of control. Rather, faith is a saying yes to God in the midst of the struggles and hardships of life. Faith is a trust that God has got this and that ultimately, we have nothing to fear. Faith is a response, a response to God's own faithfulness, God's own promise to be there come what may. Today, we are called to open ourselves up to the transformative power of God, trusting that God is with us no matter what. This very day we are invited to give ourselves over to the God who makes all things possible and whose love will never let us go. How will your faith look today? Will it look like a small act? Will it look like courage? Audacity, hope, trust. Jesus tells us that even a little faith can move mountains. Jesus tells us that even a little faith can make us well. And so, dare we risk this day? Dare we reach out and touch the fringe of that cloak? dare we say yes, dare we open ourselves up in hope, trusting in the God of love, trusting that God is indeed faithful. Amen.